You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, hello, everyone. David Hall. I am toast. And Tony Groves. What up, fellas? All right. On the show today, we will recap the first ever Coke Series race at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We begin to get some Season 3 reveals leading up to next week's update. In hardware, we'll be checking out a great new product from our sponsors at SimCoach and catch up on my sim rig upgrades. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to this show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So hope to see you there. Are you struggling with maximizing your braking zones when you're on iRacing? Locking up when you're trying to push it to the limit? I was in your shoes not too long ago. I'd see my competition breaking deeper than me, but no matter what I try, I couldn't match them until I started using Sim Coach's P1 Pro pedals. With their true hydraulic range, they feel like you're just driving a car. They're made right here in the USA and even offer a lifetime warranty. For a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering you guys 10% off your order. You won't find a better discount anywhere. Head over to simcoaches.com. Use the I coupon code iRacers Lounge at checkout. That was actually written by David uh, from your perspective, David. But uh, let's talk real quick. I mean, at Gateway uh, this week, boy, the, the braking really matters, doesn't it? Yep, yep. There's braking and shifting um, and a little bit of trail braking. And we're also doing, you know, Le Mans this, Le Mans this weekend. And uh, I just, I can't, you've heard me say it and I'll say it again. Uh, the brake control is better. The throttle control is better. Uh, and anytime I have a problem, I'm able to contact them directly and get pretty almost immediate response to help fix it. Um, the last problem I had is I, when I broke my throttle, he sent me a replacement part and, and kind of instructions on how to put it in exactly the right way. And boom, I was only out for, I was only down for a few days. Uh, I didn't have to mail it in and wait on it to sit in line at a repair shop. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, written from my perspective. And I was actually fussing in Mike and in chat saying, hey, that don't make any sense with you reading it. But I do drive them. I do recommend them. They are, they are the best pedals out there. All right, Mike and Brian are going to tell us a little bit about the Coke race. Yeah, so we teased it at the beginning of the show, but um, the Coke series for the eNASCAR iRacing was at Worldwide Technologies Raceways, um, or used to be known as Gateway. And uh, it's the first time that uh, the eNASCAR series has been to this track. Of course, the real guys will be there this coming week as well. So uh, before the race, uh, we had a little bit of news pop 
this was an article from racer.com and it uh, referred to one of the co-series drivers uh veteran logan clampett yeah he's admitting uh that he's perhaps thinking about retiring and hanging up his e-nascar uh steering wheel so to speak um he said he's got a lot going on in his life right now he's got school working part-time i uh, back with really good friends in california so i'm out with them quite a bit i go to the gym five days a week i'm putting in eye racing practice i have other responsilities nowadays i'm not 15 years old anymore he's also I'm not on having... the back end of my career sorry about that he's also uh, not having the best season right in the outside the relegation bubble right now yeah, but yeah. he had a good run this week <laughs> He was good this week, and, and he's just been having a lot of bad luck. I'm not say, I wouldn't say that he's off pace or anything like that. He's just been getting into wrecks left and right. So well, we uh, saw this last year with a driver um, who moved on, um, you know, to, to other items as well. And so it, you know, life happens. Right, and uh, these guys. I mean, this takes up so much time to be super competitive in, in this series that you do have to sacrifice a lot of other things that you might know uh, that kids his his age who are just coming to young adulthood um typically uh want to be a part of so it's it's perfectly understandable and uh you know if if his, he does hang it up soon we wish him good luck so um so that was a story that happened before the race broke um then we had the pre-show uh, a lot of fun stuff on there um they had uh, a lot of. They were uh, interviewing a lot of the drivers for the Coke series, asking them some fun questions like uh, whether you like pineapple on your pizza or not. That was a good one. Um, and uh, they were doing impersonations of Evan Pasoko, who uh, who's not here today. But uh, but uh, if you uh, listen to some of those impersonations, we could probably get make it sound like it. They were some of them are pretty good. Oh um, yeah, we got to pick on Evan a little bit because. I mean, we tried to connect with him last night, and, and we couldn't make it happen. And he's traveling all day today, so he just couldn't make it. And so we're trying to move on without him. But, man, some of those impersonations were great. I mean, Blake, the, the last one I heard was spot on. <laughs> it was really good. It was really good. Um, another thing that, that they do on these pre-shows is they do um, uh, listener-submitted rakes. So uh, listeners can submit send pictures and uh, have their rigs on the pre-show and they'll talk about it a little bit that's a really fun thing so anybody out there who's really proud of the rig or want to share it with uh, the rest of the iRacing uh, NASCAR world uh, yeah go go and uh, submit those on their on their webpage and uh, maybe your, your rig will be reviewed by the by those guys on the show so that's really cool um, and then they uh, had a little bit of info uh, on the road to pro series that's that's uh, inactive right now right yeah, they talked about how the Road to Pro is shaping up and what the structure is of the race and so forth. So there's a lot of good information. Um, some of the people that are in and out and um, a, re a real good look at, uh, you know, the the people that, are, that could be coming in. You know, they relegated down to the bottom seven to, you know, to 70 left. And now, the, you know, those guys are going for it. So. So uh, as the race starts, the green flag drops with Cody Bias taking the pole. Um, Casey, Ker Casey Kerwin took the lead in the turn one. Uh, and um, what was really interesting, they did a pre-race uh, show with or interview with uh, Cody Bias, who was their pole sitter. 
And he happened to let it, let let the information out that he really didn't have hardly any practice before this race, and still wind up on the pole, which is which is amazing. But we'll see in later in the race it might might not have paid out in the long run. So uh, after a few laps, Casey Kerwin continued to lead uh, uh, Cody Bias, and uh, who has slipped all the way back to ninth. And I think this is where it started to show his lack of practice. Yeah, his obviously his race set uh, showed quickly as he faded out of the top 10 uh, right after the start. Um, but his qualifying set, yeah, I think he said he spent about 30 minutes and uh, boom, he, he was in. So uh, lap 22, Casey Kerwin finally gets a challenge from Graham Bolin and uh, they fight for the top spot. And uh, by lap 23, we do have a new leader, Graham Bolin. Uh, he clears Casey Kerwin for a top spot. Um, on lap 28, um, not only is uh, Derek Bordeaux the biggest mover from 13th up 21 spot, but he's the fastest car in the track at, at lap 28. Yeah, and um, it was a pretty good battle there with Casey Kerwin and Graham Bolin early to, to, to shake out who was going to lead it. Uh, we also got uh, a reason why Kyle Petal missed the show, and uh, they showed on the broadcast uh, a, a Twitter from Kyle that showed, unfortunately, he had to work. Well, uh, apparently he's a pilot and he shows a selfie of him in his, you know, jumbo jet at the airport. Yeah, so uh, Kyle Petal could make race. He's uh, he's driving something a little different that night, but um, uh, they mentioned that his day job sometimes takes precedence over eye racing, unfortunately. So we back to the race. Uh, we're at lap 31 now. Just a few laps later, and Graham Bowens leads over Casey Kerwin. It's over a second already, um, which finally leads us to 35, lap 35, where we finally get some trouble. Uh, but it stays green, where Beric Bordeaux and uh, Blake Reynolds collide coming off turn four. Uh, and uh, it was heavy damage for both of those cars, but um, the, 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 uh, the, green, the green stayed out. The, the race continued, but Bordeaux was done for the day. Yeah, I mean, it, it was enough that he had to park it. Come, you know, there was no way he could continue. So, I don't know where, uh, you know, Blake Reynolds uh, ended up there. But, um, man, it felt like that was going to be the caution. But no, it, you know, somehow it stayed green, and and those guys were able to pull it off the track. Yeah, so uh, we're at lap 40 at this point. Uh, Ryan Loser now is the biggest mover. He's up 31 spots to 10th place from 23rd. Um, uh, and then uh, lap 42, the pit starts, uh, pit stops start to happen under green with Liam Brotherton and uh, Garrett Lowe on lap 42. Uh, on lap 43, Nick Ottinger comes in from, uh, takes second from Casey Kerwin, who comes in, I should say. Uh, more more, more green flag uh, pit stops on lap 46 when Dylan Alt comes in. At lap 46, Vicente Salas takes over third from Casey Kerwin. So uh, Vicente's coming up uh, through the field and uh, and they're kind of they're getting in these pit stops, a lot of green flag laps and uh, the pits are uh, starting to become a factor. Yeah, so pits, uh, yeah, these guys are doing the short pit. Um, you know, it's not quite, I think they're in the window, but it's not quite halfway yet. So uh, these are, you know, two or three of them come down yeah, Nick Ottinger and Vicente Salas, you know, working their way up um, as the suspense continues. Yeah, the fuel window was about 74 laps. I'll have a little bit more about that in a second. 
So um, we move up to lap 52 when more pit stops happen. Um, Taylor Hurst comes in, 152. On lap 54, more pits. Blake Reynolds comes in, 55. Keegan Leahy comes in, lap 56. Uh, Michael Guest comes in. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're seeing all these pit stops happen under green. It's been a you know, I was kind of shocked when I was watching this race how long these uh, green flag laps went because um, uh, they were mentioned in, in the pre-race how loose the car can get with these tight flat turns, uh, tough to race on. But um, they, these guys really did a great job uh, staying out of trouble and keeping their cars going straight. Um, but since uh, losing the lead, Casey Kerwin has fallen back all the way to fifth, and Bobby Zielinski now is on the move up to P4 with uh, pit stops just happening all over the place. Um, Mitchell DeJong and Stephen Wilson, along with Blade Witt, are all on pit road on lap 56. Um, lap 57 sees Michael Connie come in. Lap 58, Alan Bose and Kyle Keister both uh, pit. And uh, lap 59, finally, Nate. Uh, Nick Ottinger comes in. Uh, so on lap 60 is when the action really starts to heat up. Bobby Zielinski, Casey Kerwin both come in and a caution comes up, comes out right during their uh, entrance to the pit stall. It was uh, The caution was actually for Garrett Maines who got turned by Jimmy Mullis. Mullins locked up the brakes and clipped Maines and uh, many pit were in the pit road before uh, the uh, pit road was actually closed down there. Man, I mean, it's it's tough to see when you get the caution right in the middle of these green flag stops, you know, roughly half and half, uh, you know, half the field's pitted, the other half hasn't. Um, a lot of the, the people who are up front haven't pitted, so, yeah, and tough break for Garrett Maines. I mean, uh, Jimmy Mullis, I mean, he just basically lost his breaking point or missed it. Uh, he had an, a, a profuse apology on Twitter after the race to Garrett Maines and the crew, you know, apologizing for, you know, collecting them in his mistake, and uh, which is rare. You know, like you said, you know, it's amazing these guys were able to stay green to this point um, because that this this track is hard to drive. You know, I've run it a couple times now, and um, it's loose getting up off if you're not careful. Yeah. So um, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. I, yeah, I'm going to jump in. There were a lot of end of line penalties because, uh, like. Uh, you're going to talk about the guy that got the lucky break who was already on pit road, but several of the guys were right behind him. And in iRacing, the pits close as soon as the caution comes out. And if you drive through the pits, if you cross the cones, you, you're, you're penalized. There's no, you, you can't just drive through and skip it. So a few guys ended up getting into the line penalties as a result of being stuck on pit lane. Because even though the cones were, were pretty far up, there's a wall there with an, and as well as an access road and they were there was no way for them to not enter the pits at that point uh, but I was also a little perplexed uh, the the announcers were calling that if a few guys seemed to be pitting when when the pits were closed and he they, they were thinking they were probably out of close to out of fuel and that was confusing me and I was wanting to get a chance to ask Evan about that because the fuel range is about 74 laps this is a shorter track than a full mile and a half so you can you can get a few more laps per uh, tank but i i as i was running nis last night i think i know what happened is that even though it seemed like they were pitting before the pace car got all the round and the pits closed anytime the field was really split out that pit was opening really early because of that ac that access lane and i think they were pitting before they were really supposed to but not getting penalized so they were they were holding up 
so they wouldn't cross the the cones before uh, before the pits were officially open. And I, get the I don't think they were holding up. I just think that they were after the wreck. The, they, not everybody was quite cut up, and wh- how quick the pit opens depends on where the lead. Actually, doesn't depend on what the, the caution car almost always comes immediately out. But if you're like literally right in front of the caution car when he's when he's coming out, the pits are probably going to be open before you actually catch up to the field at this track. And I think that's what happens. So gotcha. you're basically saying if you pit it under yellow, you're screwed. <laughs> but. Who wasn't screwed was Graham Bolin. I mean, he actually was on pit road when the yellow came out. And he he basically uh, got that lucky break. And he got track position over it. And he basically became the leader. Yeah, that was a, that was a good break for Graham Bolin, who was fast on top of it. Plus, he got the lucky, uh, the lucky break while being on uh, pit road at the time. So he, he really made out well on that. And... Um, so yeah, so that's something you guys might want to think about if you're running NIS or anything, and you uh, and you're on pit road. There's a wall on that pit road entrance, so if something happens, you can't just bail out at the last second and get back on the track. There's a big wall there, so you're kind of stuck. So keep that in mind if you're out racing this week. Um, now I do so want to point out that gateway, though, Brian, you can take the access road, but then before that wall starts, actually go back on track without penalty. Right, right before the wall started. Right. So, uh, so there were a lot of end of uh, line penalties, and uh, I remember them talking uh, about on the show on the broadcast that you know several several of those drivers asked for uh, to clear those black flags that they were given, and uh, I racing uh, commands like, "No, nope, that's just the way it goes. It's a bad break." So. We restart with 56 to go. Uh, Owen and Keegan Lee are, are battling for the lead into turn one. Um, lap 69, last week's winner, Matt Busa, is the biggest mover up 29 spots from 39th to 10th. So I think some uh, good tires was uh, his fortune there to really move up that fast. And with 40 to do, 42 to go, uh, Graham Bowen, Zach Novick, and Logan Clampett, there's uh, in, in the top three, uh, Malik Ray, Keegan Leahy, Cody Bias, uh, Corey Vincent, Parker Retzlaff, and Matt Busa, and, and Matt Lowe were all in the top 10 there. Yeah, and um, it was a, a race of track position, really, because there were a couple people that kind of came up through there. Um, a lot of it had to do with the, the pit situations, too, but... Um, I mean, the people who started up front pretty much stayed up front kind of thing, and the people who were in the back, you know, kind of stayed in the back. That's kind of what I was noticing. Uh, but, man, what a great run for – I mean, we knew Graham Boland was going to be – he's been running hot all year. But to see Zach Novak and Clampett, like you said, Logan Clampett had so much bad luck recently. And to see him up here running top three, you know, towards the end of the race – uh, Malik Ray, of course, was it was up there for most of the day as well. Keegan Leahy, you know, having a great run, uh, you know, two weeks in a row now. So uh, Casey Kerwin and Lee, Liam Brotherton make contact with 39 laps to go. Uh, no caution comes out. Uh, on with 34 to go, Matt Busa takes six from uh, from his teammate Cody Bias. Um, we get down to 20 laps to go with uh, Matt Busa enters top five. So he's moving up towards a, a top five finish. 
Um, someone who needs a good finish tonight. We talked about Logan Clampett, who actually was selling, celebrating his birthday that day. Um, currently uh, sees himself unwrapping a, a third place effort with thir- with 20 to go. So he's going to try to catch P2 and he's running them down. Yeah, at that moment, it, it kind of felt like Logan could win this thing because he was catching P2. You know, would, would he have anything for the leader? You know, it's hard to say, but... You know Graham Bolin, he's going to be tough to pass if he ever gets to him. So uh, we got 10 to go now. Graham Bolin's still at the lead. Um, There's a fight for 10th place with 5 to go between Nick Ottinger and Corey Vincent. Uh, There was a good battle going on there. Meanwhile, up front, Bolin is extending his lead to... 2.3 2.3 seconds over the place uh, Zach Novak so he's seriously in the driver's seat he gets to uh, he gets to the checker flag in first place is uh, Graham Bolin takes the win uh, congratulations to him that was his second ever victory in the uh, Coke series it's his first win oval track his first one his first trip at uh, Watkins Glen last year yeah and the first for that team uh, the the Charlotte uh, Phoenix, they call it, where they have that uh, place where they have the events and so forth for esports. And so, uh, pretty cool that uh, he gets the first win for them and finally delivers, you know, what they were hoping for. We actually have a really neat video here from Ryan Vargas, uh, who I believe is an Xfinity driver. Uh, he posted up, he was there at the event at the Charlotte Phoenix. Um, and he posted up a video at the checkered flag as Graham Bolin uh, took the win. Uh, apparently, he had all his, uh, you know, his cheering squad there. I see David Childhouse and others uh, rooting him on. And so, Dead Zone uh, Racing is getting it done. And congratulations, uh, they finally, uh, you know, knocked that monkey off their back. Yeah, so overall, just a really impressive performance by these guys. We talked about it before, Mike. You said that you've 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 seen how loose this track is, um, but yeah, there was no serious uh, incidents like that where people were just wrecking themselves or anything like that. It was very well run, um, good racing all, all around. Yeah, it went pretty quick um, with just the one caution and. Um, good racing like i said it was all about track position uh you'd think there'd be a little bit of attrition there really wasn't um so boy everyone had to be on it well they were almost treating it like a road course pitting at the very beginning of the pit window if you look at those those pits in the early 50 laps those guys were going to need that whole tank that was about as early as you could pit and still make it all the way it was a good strategy, but as soon as that caution came out, it's out the window, right? Particularly because there, there's also tire fall off, and they lost all the all the time they had gained in front of people. Yeah, I believe they had to come get tires, you know, just to be equal. So, yeah, it, it was a tough break for those guys that short pitted, but um, you know, it's not like somebody stumbled into this win. Graham Boland's been knocking on the door a bunch this year a bunch last year we he probably deserves or should have more than two wins um he, he just hasn't cl- you know finished the deal but uh congrats on getting the deal done
right, we're going to kick things off with a Josh Rogers video expose. And this one's pretty interesting. It has a lot of chess references in it. Um, it's It's got Josh, he's, who's presented as a, as a Porsche uh, eSports, what do they call it? Ready driver? Or works. Works driver. All right, which I, I'm, probably is their version of development. And um, they bring in Wolf Hensler or Heinzler. There's no I in there, so I don't know if it's Hensler or Heinzler. Uh, he's a Porsche. He's a full Porsche driver, uh, and they play a chess match. I don't know if the moves were just set up or if they actually played a legitimate game. Uh, and he's comparing racing, particularly the, the road racing, in some ways to chess. But he talks about how you can recover from your mistakes. He talks about uh, that there's a you're always thinking about the next move ahead, and you know so a lot of that kind of makes sense. It's it's some neat parallels in the video. Yeah, and in the, in the intro, I mean, they they described itself as the Porsche Coanda Esports Racing Team. So obviously, you know, they have title sponsorship on their team from Porsche. This is Porsche, you know, putting out, you know, stuff on the internet, you know, post social. They have to post on their website uh, at motorsports.porsche.com. Uh, an article. It's a short article. It talks about Josh. Um, and his titles, you know, how many different titles Josh has, um, different things he's uh, accomplished and raced in. And then like you, David described a short two minute video as well, uh, to, you know, just kind of going over the same stuff. Yeah. Isn't it, that's kind of, if you really just kick back and think about it, there's an esports team that has factory support from, from an automobile, uh, um, from a manufacturer. I guess that's a great let, way to say that. Let that let that stir. That an e racing team has factory support. Yeah. What's next? You know, Mercedes, Red Bull, you know, Ferrari. You know, are they all gonna get involved like this? You know, Porsche is not in F one, but Porsche is coming to F one apparently. And and they're probably not having to invest as much in esports as they would be in in putting a putting a real car out there, but but still, it's, it's factory support. That's that's pretty neat. I expect more of these uh, articles and videos to be released from Porsche in the coming weeks. Uh, they're just trying to publicize this, I think, and you know, get the Porsche fan base you know familiar with the esports and Coanda and the drivers and, and how good they are. And it just continues to grow. So Tony, when I first glanced at the next article, I first thought of you because you do the, uh, the um, fantasy, but it, it actually has to do with actual drafting. So what, tell us about this next video. With actual drafting, maybe a little drifting. Oh, um, that's right. It is drift King. Hello, hooray for dyslexia. <laughs> it's all good. Um, uh, I yeah, iRacing posted this. Uh, member Togo Hisada, and this is a an insane drifting. Hey, he's actually saving it going around the corner, but um, yeah, he totally nails the drift around this and in, in this open wheel. Oh my God, does he? I mean, this is that Lotus car with no downforce at all. It's just like an engine on wheels, and. If you've ever driven this thing, you know it doesn't turn. Like, it goes real fast, and then you have to slow down 
who almost a stop and turn this thing around the corner and then go again. But this guy, I mean, he's racing at the ring and, you know, it's a double corner. He, he, you know, he's trying to catch up to these guys in front of him. And like you said, he just powers up and throws it into a drift and just drifts this double corner. I mean, all the way through, keeps it on the pavement. I mean, I think the tires come up and just kiss the, the rumble strips just perfectly. I mean, like you said, it's picture perfect. Well, I, that wasn't intentional. The, he hit a curb, which turned the car sideways right before entry. And he, oh, but, come on. Let's give him some, some glory here. Oh, we're going to give him some glory because he had this thing completely sideways. And, you know, like, even if it, well, even if it was uh, by accident, he made it look like he did this on purpose for a pretty sweet video. Well done. It's one of those accidents you'll never be able to repeat. You know, I've had, I've had those. <laughs> it's like as soon as the tire, the back tires hit the rumble strips and even the grass a little bit, it, it shot the back end back out into the track, uh, which basically, you know, allowed him to save the car and continue on. Continue on. And I don't even think he lost any time. Like, he is still moving pretty darn quick when he when he was able to recover it and you know mosey on his way. That will probably be seen on the top ten when we when, when it comes around again. I bet. Yep. Hey, Mike, let's go swimming. How about swimming for a living? Gary Clut talked on his podcast uh, how one makes a living as a sim racer. And uh, this is a TikTok video. Uh, it's basically a short, uh, you know, clip of that podcast where they're talking back and forth uh, about it. You know, is it possible? So what do you think? I mean, you, you look at the guy we were just talking about, Josh Rogers, Mitchell DeYoung, you know, those kind of characters. I mean, they're not... They're not like working part-time at a Burger King or something, you know? I've, you probably have to have something along the lines of factory support to be able to do it. Because uh, you, you, we're also seeing guys that don't have that support and they're putting in all the time on their own on top of a job that are uh, not able to do it. I, I do know uh, some of the pro drivers like Garrett, his, his job is close to sim-related, so he can even sneak away with a practicing at his facility some, right? Cause he works at, at a rig shop, but, uh, it's, a, uh, it's going to come down to, I guess how much time they have to put on it. And if that's going to cause burnout or not. Interesting, uh, podcast. I mean, they start talking a little bit about teams and team structures. And this guy's saying even the big teams have engineers, you know, they have drivers and engineers and, um, it's crazy. That's the Gary Clut podcast. I haven't checked out a full episode, but I need to do that. All right. Well, we're mostly uh, four-wheel drivers, but uh, Tony's going to tell us a little bit about this next video, which is not on four wheels. No, in fact, it's not on any wheels, but this is probably one of the best videos we've ever had on this podcast. But we have... Um, you know, add a character for the for the lounge, but um, it is uh, 
a motion sim racing rig for super bikes. And uh, the, the model I'm going to say that is running this thing, um, honestly, I never really paid attention to how she was driving, but man, she got some moves. This is crazy. I mean, so there's a couple reasons I put this on the script today. I mean, one of them is, you know, iRacing should include motorcycle racing, right? I mean, it's racing, it's motorsports. Why not? You know, let's let's go motorcycle racing. She grips that tank pretty well. Those she's got some strength in them legs, I think. You'll also notice the video the monitor moves with the rig. Yeah, it have to because um this makes me think of those old arcade games that are super bike games that you can uh, you can lean left and right, but this thing leans so far compared to those uh, arcade style games. You know that have she has pads on the floor for where her knees are hitting the hitting the uh, the floor. It, it leans over that far that she's going from a play upright erect position to a uh, to a full lean to where her knees are on the ground. Right, and there's also not only the left and right, Brian, but there's a, a, you know, forward backwards. Like when she hits the brakes, you know, the whole thing kind of goes forward, you know, and and your 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 head goes forward, um, and so when she hits the gas, it kind of goes back, you know, towards the back wheel. So there's that kind of motion as well. I see in it. It looks like the computer is built right into where the gas tank would normally be you know, of the bike. I mean, the computer's right there is what it looks like. So uh, my only thing if iRacing were to do this, it's kind of like, you know, the uh, physical movements are so much different unless you had a rig like in iRacing, you know, would you be able to use a steering wheel if you didn't have a, have a you know, on a motorcycle rig? It, I don't know if that translates that well to uh, motorcycle racing because the steering inputs are so different um, whether, yeah, they, whether that would work right. The axis isn't even oriented the same way, right? Uh, steering wheels are generally pointed forward if you're, if you're paying attention to which way the shaft goes and motorcycles, it, it points down. Well, I mean, you're, you're turning the motorcycle handlebars a little bit, but a lot of turning is leaning too. And so, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the traditional iRacer with a steering wheel and three pedals and a gear shift, you know, I don't know if it translates. And so maybe it only works if you have this kind of hardware available. Um, I also like the fact that, you know, it looks like they're using 80-20 style, extend, you know, a metal extension to build this thing, at least the bottom part of it. And it, it's it's a shame because iRacing does have a lot of tracks that uh, motorcycles race on. You know, uh, like how cool is it to see the mo motorcycles going through the, the corkscrew at Laguna Seca and, and stuff like that? Well, we've always talked about at some point they're going to run out of stuff to scan. Maybe that's when they do the super bikes. You know, they scan some super bikes, they work on the physics, they release them. And it probably wouldn't be too popular because of the things we've just discussed. But there's going to be the hardcore guys that 
you know what? I'm going to like Bino, you know, the guy who builds all the crazy stuff. He's in, you know, what? I'm going to build one of these things like a horse, you know, and, and ride it. I see this having more success if it, if it was a standalone game. It's just, it's so unique. It, it's so different. There's, there's, there's just too many things that are different on two wheels. Not, it makes not, you wonder what software she's using as she's as we're looking at this video. You know, what is she racing? Well, she's definitely got the right hardware. That's for sure. Well, Brian, Brian, let's see if we can sand down and uh, talk about new tracks. So this came out on uh, iRacing's official YouTube channel, uh, and it's an introduction to new content coming up. It's the, the Sandown International Motor Raceway. It's a 13-turn, uh, 1.92-mile road course in Springvale, Australia. So uh, so a new track looks like it's coming to uh, – to iRacing, um, it's good. It looks like uh, they're they're really investing in those uh, Australian supercar uh, races and their tracks that you know that that uh, they probably get to race on. There's one shot where it shows picnic tables uh, all lined up right along the side of the the wall, right along the side of the track. I mean, that would be kind of a neat place to watch a race and have a picnic. I don't know if I'll end up buying this. I don't run the supercars, but um, but who who knows? Are we like? Uh, am I missing out on something here? Because just watching the cars go around the track, there they look like they'd be a lot of fun. Supercar is fun. I mean, you for one thing, your the driver's seat is on the right side of the car, not the left. So it really throws you off when you get in these things. Uh, I've been racing them in hosted at Michigan Oval for quite some time uh, in the Chris McGuire hosted races. And I have a we have a blast with them because they draft real well. Uh, they roll, as you can see, you know, as they go through these S's and stuff, you see they roll left to right. You know, they, they got a lot of spring in them. It is always a strange feeling to be sitting in, in the right side of the car instead of the left, though. Uh, if you're running a road course, you tend to hit the curbs wrong. And if you try it on an oval, you're just not, you're just not right there on the, on the curb, right? Uh, you have so much more car between you and the bottom of the track. Well, I've been known to hit the wall at Michigan in this car just because I forget. I mean, you, you, you have the perspective of where the wall is and where you, you are and you forget that you're on the other side of the car and you, Oh, I hit, just hit the wall. I wish um, I wish iRacing would have, uh, you know, like test sessions, not just like when they're down, because every time that they're they're down, um, at work, and this would be like a perfect time to be like, hey, you know, try this car out because it does look really really interesting, and this track looks actually kind of cool, even though I, I usually, uh, you know, kind of shit on the, on road courses whenever I can, but I kind of dig this. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like a. A, like a cart track, like a, just a big cart track. It's, right, not, it's not big, it's not daunting, and easy to memorize. Yeah, as long as you don't shit on the bed, we'll be okay. Road courses, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, we're talking new content. Let's talk some more new content. Uh, we have iRacing fans will soon be able to expand their garage with the addition of the Toyota GR86 Cup car coming in 2023. And that's according to the SRR Motorsports Club. Yeah. Uh, put out on the Twit, Twit. You know, uh, iRacing hasn't uh, announced this car that I'm aware of, um, but they have published materials here that show coming to iRacing soon. It's, is this more like a, you know, like a leak? Because normally they don't go this far in advance at like, you know, letting us know about stuff. Not, not like almost a year in advance. I think it's a leak. This is a, the, the car was just released. So if you open up the thread, this guy, the, the, the Bose, Bosey Tatterovic, he has a thread about the car and he has all the different specs and different things. And then this guy replied to him with this screenshot from the SRO motorsports group. We're apparently part of this car's release uh, that do state the tie in with, Hey, you'll be able to run this in iRacing racing in 2023. Okay. Well, kind of, kind of clever way to, to drum up some, uh, um, hoopla over it. Well, Brian, to install new content, we need a downtime. We got one coming up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so iRacing announced on the forums the actual time of the down uh, downtime they're going to be uh, setting up for Season 3. So Tuesday morning at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, or 8 a.m., sorry, 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Tuesday, June 7th is when they will be down. So this will affect all iRacing regions and members and will be unable to host or join any sessions during that downtime. Um, so uh, while, you're, while they're down that time, uh, you cannot do any kind of sessions or, or uh, anything like that. Uh, but they will be having the test drive. Tony talked about it a little bit. So if you're not familiar with the test drive is, it's you are going to be able to test any car on the service as long as you have the car downloaded, whether you have it purchased or not. So you can take that time if you want to test something that you've never had before. This is like the only time you'll ever be able to test cars that you don't own um, when uh, when they do these test drives. So. Tony made a good point. It's it's usually uh, when people are starting to get ready to go to work or at work already, and um, so it makes it a little difficult. But you know, that's the only way you can do it. It's one of the only times it's good to be an Aussie. There you go. Yeah, they should. I've, like, I've actually. Go ahead. I was going to say they should dedicate like you know like an hour, maybe like or like two hours somewhere like in week 13 just like one day two hour shot you know like we'll call it like the the two hour trial session and you know just because i want to be able to test stuff out or just take run a day it, off or just run it for 24 hours on patch day let leave test drives open for for the whole day or like on week 13 give every member a two hour window that expires after two hours at any time during the week, they can, they can do a test drive. I like that one even better. That's cool. You know, you, you want to limit it. So you're not giving away the farm, but I think you could drive sales. I mean, 
you know, I, you know, my, if I had that option, I would be more tempted to try different cars and, and if I liked them, maybe buy them even. So I like the idea, Tony, it's a pretty cool. I want to expand on it. One more thing. Let's expand on it where we can try track that we don't own as well. Yeah, yeah. that'd be perfect. I like that idea of like just a, you know, everybody gets like a two hour window throughout week 13 and yeah, try any truck car track combination you want. Yeah, that would definitely drum up sales because like me, I'm, you know, kind of interested in that supercar stuff just from what I've seen, but I'm not going to go and invest because, well, I got a pretty good track record of investing in cars and using them once and never touching them again. So. Well, Mike, would you right. use that time to try out this new track that may be coming out? Yeah, so the they put out on the Twitter some pictures of a, another historic Melbourne, Australia venue. Now, is this Sandown? I don't think it is. This might be a second track. I should have asked the uh, crisscross guys to uh, take a look. They'll, they would be likely to recognize it. Um, a lot of people were hoping it was going to be Albert Park Circus Circuit, um, but I don't think that's what um, they're thinking it is. Um, Albert Park is in Melbourne, and it is a pretty historic track for that area. But um, from the uh, discussions on this uh, on their thread. They don't think that that's the track that's on the picture. I think I think it is. They're they're speculating that it is the sand down track that's already been announced. Well, could be. We'll know next week. And uh, we're this is a less ambiguous teaser, but we're also looking at Fuji Speedway. Well, they they say uh, it's Mount Fuji, so we know on this one. That's kind of what makes it less ambiguous. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so this is a pretty cool track, and you know, this is one of those ones where they have to have the mountain in the background, right? This is really close close enough to Mount Fuji that it would be very prominent in the background. So. Um, you know, iRacing doesn't always do the best job in doing, you know, far off distance type of uh, um, areas to, to look at. But this is one of the ones where it's close enough that this would almost have to be there, right? Yeah, I think, didn't we hear Steve Myers tweet something about that, that can't wait to see that Mount Fiji in the background or something like that? Well, hopefully they're thinking the same way. All right. I know one of the Tonys is really excited about the next one, but this Tony happens to be here. So tell us about our, uh, our new thing that's coming out that really affects our team quite a bit. Oh, yeah. This is, this is going to get uh, Rochette all riled right up. He's been, uh, he's been asking for this for a long time. I think most of us have been asking this since they teased it, but we are going to finally, finally get the damage model. And it is coming to all three NASCAR cup series cars well of course it would be hey, you know it'd be funny if it only came with like uh oh, just the fours are getting a damage model and you know we'll, we'll roll that uh the next ones out over the next couple of months but uh finally it's happening 
Woohoo! So they um, showed us what we're getting with a, <laughs> a pretty cool video. Basically said, hey, let's uh, make a video of the damage model. And, you know, they didn't disappoint. You know, one guy charging right into the wall, destroys his car, and then another uh, uh, part of the video shows just a bunch of cars getting all wadded up and spraying parts everywhere. Pretty cool. Um, one question that Tony threw out was, what about the composite body parts? I mean, are they part of this? Well, who knows? I guess we'll find out. The, the biggest thing is, are they going, I mean, are they going to break that way where they just come off instead of acting like sheet metal that gets bent up and kills your downforce for the rest of the race from scratching the wall, right? I think that's going to be the biggest question. Yeah, yeah, it, I'm always... It's hard to tell from the video, you know, if, if that was the case or not. And I'm always uh, curious how much the new damage models affects the actual car. You know, in other words, is the same exact hit on the old damage model and the new damage model represented the same as in, you know, repair times and stuff like that? Or does that change with the new damage models as well? You know what I mean? Does well, the same exact hit affect the timing on this on on the track? Gen six had the new damage model for about a week, and it was it was pretty broken in that if you it was even worse than the current model, and that you get a, you got a little scrape that's wor about twenty seconds worth of repair, and you were ten seconds off the pace at an oval. It was just killing the cars. There was no slight damage choice. All right. And that, that was back with still with the Gen 6. And they, that's why they kind of took it back out and never put it back in. So, yeah, it's going to be completely starting from scratch on how long the repairs are and how much they do to the car. I hope it matches kind of what we're seeing with the, with, in real life, whereas they, they can take scrapes without any damage or tire rubs or, or arrow loss. But then they break when, when you actually hit them hard enough, right? Right, that like right. that uh, tow rod that seems to break quite a bit if they they get into the wall, um, as opposed to um, if you just scrape the wall. Um, you know, we saw a couple guys this past week at Charlotte, um, Kyle Larson and all, and they 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 hit the wall pretty good, and you know they were just as fast before as they were after. That's a good point. I mean, Kyle killed the wall a few times, and he was still fast. All right. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Jumping to events. I've got the first one, even though it's not on our script yet. Um, we're running the majors 24 this weekend. Uh, and in fact, if you are not registered by now, it's too late because the deadline to register was Wednesday to register your teams. Uh, but there will be four broadcast splits. It's, it's the, uh, European sports car cars that you'd normally see, including the LMP ones. It's running on the fourth and the fifth. Their top four splits are going to have live driven pace cars by a human with, with, a uh, with Flamont or what is it? What is the European division called? It's not WIA, is it? I, I've forgotten the abbreviation for, for the European road racing. WEC. WEC. That's it. Yeah. WEC. Um, 
but yeah, the top four splits are going to have have the have built in where they're going to have live cautions with a live pace car driver. Um, and it, it's, it starts Saturday uh, morning at nine Eastern and rolls for 24 hours. We've got, wait, a team. how does a live pace car work? They're going to put them in a Porsche that's painted to look like a pace car and just leave them at the very back. You know, if he's not running laps, he'll be in last place the whole time. Basically, if he's sitting in, in the pits, except for when cautions come out. And I, I mean, hope I would be, what about like, you know, let the four buy, you know, you have to let him buy or you have to go past yeah. the four car. It's going to be all handled by live admins because one of the things they, they need to do when there are, there's a caution in, in uh multi-class racing is reseparate the classes. All right. Or if I'm behind the, the P one leader, but I'm a GTE who's in front of the GT leader that they get their lap back. I believe they get waved around. So they're going to, instead of clearing a bunch of penalties, they're just going to run it all manually and give everybody instructions with, with live officiating. Cool. So we'll see how we do. I'm I'm gonna put in my pre-qualifying time. We got a five-man team running. Uh, me and Greg are running with with a with a Europe with a a Brit and two Aussies. Uh, and it, it's always funny talking to them because I said I'm running a couple of races tonight, and they said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I can't tomorrow because they're 15 hours ahead of us." It's 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 pretty funny. We'll see how it goes. Good luck. The next one is the Creventic Endurance Series has been announced. One of iRacing's longest standing team racing challenges returns this Sunday, June 4th, with a visit to the Hockenheim Ring in partnership with Creventic, the organizers of the Real World 24-Hour Series and iRacing's Neo Endurance League. This series of 12-hour endurance events brings a full slate of GT and touring cars to some of the world's most iconic tracks. So boy, more lots of road racing. Um, I'm not ready yet. I do like that track, the ring though. I had a lot of fun there with the skip barber. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to brake deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Moving on to podcast housekeeping. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers while in a race under yellow. Hey, the more people that hear about it, the better. Check out our Discord. Get in on the conversation throughout the week. And don't forget our new website at iRitzersLounge.com. 
We're also in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, um, Brian, or not Brian, <laughs> Tony, did you have a long fantasy weekend? Well, probably not as long as you guys, uh, because I don't have, I didn't have Monday off. It's not a holiday weekend for me, so I didn't actually get to finish the, the race, but oh boy, I finally showed up on, uh, on, on the charts. I, I had to share a podium, but I was still able to, and, uh, I was able to find third place, uh, sharing that with uh, with Mr. Rochette and Boats and Hose. Boats um, and Hose. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. I don't mind. That's a great name. I don't mind sharing that. And and uh, our own Bobby Jonas uh, was able to pick up second place this week, which uh, good for him. Um, Louder racing. Uh, took first but boy oh boy what what a race like most of all the good stuff that i ended up missing i caught uh you know the next day but wow um they they they, they put on a show let's put it that way it wasn't texas right <laughs> no <laughs> greg uh, got 19th after having a couple hot weeks Man, I was way down the list, 41st. Oh. Brian, 37th. Yeah, I missed putting in my, my pick, so I got screwed. Because um, I think one of my drivers I might have used up already. So I think uh, because I didn't change change him out, I didn't get any credit for that guy at all. Now, we did a different thing because of the weekend. Memorial weekend, um, Bobby set up a Google document for our team where we picked uh, the winner of the F1 race at Monaco, the winner at the Indy 500, and the winner of the 600. And uh, that was kind of fun throughout Sunday to see, uh, you know, who among our team, you know, was making a good pick. Uh yeah, you you led that that one, did you not? I I was leading coming out of Indy, but I lost uh, in the six hundred. Yeah, that was a tough one because, <laughs> like for me, I don't follow Indy or what was the other one that was racing. I don't follow F1. that either. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, uh, "There's a name I recognize. Let's pick that guy." And oh, oh, Jimmy Johnson. I know him. Let's pick him. That was fun though. That was uh, it was different. It was it was uh, it was neat. I think I was Max and uh, Montoya and Kyle Larson. Well, they don't have jet dryers for with F one. It seemed like they might have needed them though. Well, back to. Uh, our, our fantasy league we've got two guys overall in the in the top 10 and uh that's uh mr rochette and mr hectus Heck, greg's sitting uh he's second sitting in second place um which is good it's nice to have uh two guys up in the top 10 and uh 
showing Tafosi racing in the uh, in the fantasy league. The rest of us, well, we suck, but we got time. We got time. We just got to remember our picks. That's right. Yeah. So uh, Greg was leading this thing up till last week, right? And uh, he uh, he didn't have the best week at Charlotte. Um, it was a tough race. Charlotte was a tough race to predict because there were so many people got knocked out of that thing um, that that should have done well. So it was a tough it was a tough track to predict. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think many um, didn't get any any lumps. It'd be a tough one to come out of clean come out clean. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's jump to hardware, software. Kicking it off with Grid by the Sim Lab. We've got an Instagram post, and it's a formula wheel with all the buttons you need, as well as an online screen. It's definitely got the shift light buttons, as well as the traction control loss buttons on the left and right. Uh, this layout kind of reminds me of a Ferrari wheel layout, as far as how the buttons are laid out. Uh, it's got four dials in the middle and uh, some thumb rollers that seem to be in a good position where you're not going to hit them accidentally as you're as you're going. I do not see a price tag. Oh, it's twenty five hundred euros. Pass. <sighs> wow. I mean, for that kind of money, I mean, this, I mean, you can get the Gomez wheel with all the bells and whistles which is very comparable to this, and I believe it's less than that. Oh, yeah, it's about half, isn't it? Right, so it's just like, where is this money coming from? I mean, and what's SimLab is a, a great brand, you know, so obviously, you know, it, you're, you're, you're going to get a top-quality product. Now, I just say something on here about a push-pull monopaddle. No paddle. I like. I, you know, it's something that you push and pull. So I'm wondering what what that means. That means probably about a thousand dollars. Yeah. There, there's where the extra money is. Yeah. Now I, w I wonder if that it would be an advantage for somebody who has limited use of their lower limbs. Yeah, maybe a throttle brake situation. You know. Oh, it's a beauty, isn't it? It's a really nice looking wheel. I don't know if it. I want to spend that kind of money though. It's on pre-order. It's got eighty programmable LEDs. It's a five-inch LCD display. Yeah. Dual clutches. The, the, the display will be nice if you don't run VR. If you're on VR, I would not buy one with the display. It would just kind of be pointless. Well, I had to go through the decision point of, get, do I need a display on the wheel or not? And I decided not just because, you know, aren't you turning the wheel the whole time? And when you turn it, you, you, you know, you can't really read it. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not looking at the, you know, I have a display on top of my wheelbase that shows all that stuff. And so it's static. And so it's easy to see what rather, you know, than trying to look at it while you're turning left and right. I just don't, I just don't see the point. I mean, it looks cool and it's kind of eye candy and, 
but I don't know if it's worth the extra money for me anyway. And in VR, the JRT dashboard is all I need. I mean, it, it covers everything and I'd run it on every car. All right, uh, Brian, what do you think of this new racing seat? Yeah, this is uh, called the Tillet B4 uh, race car seat. Um, and it's uh, on the Torqued website, T-O-R-Q-U-E-D, Torqued uh, website. Um, so it's a full fiberglass seat. Uh, you can get it in black or carbon. Um, and you can get it with the edges on or off. I guess that's the edges around the exterior of the seat. So um, and this thing is a real racing seat. It's not uh, a sim racing seat that you know mimics a real life racing seat and the price tag reflects that um coming in at eleven hundred and thirty one dollars so uh yeah it's it's a it's a expensive seat it kind of has a uh, gp um type of cockpit position where you're leaned back just a little bit more than uh, you would in a gt car so um it's got got that got that seat no padding on it which um which you know you know, from what I understand, uh, the GP positions need less padding because it cradles your body a little bit better, and you don't need quite as much. Uh, you don't have you have a lot bigger contact uh, patch than you do if you're sitting upright. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a really nice seat, um, and it certainly can be used in a real car or on your rig. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Like, if you're gonna use it as a sim. Yeah, I would want to imagine you're gonna want some padding. Like I know you, like the the style. You don't doesn't require a whole lot, but you still want something. Right. Even on my padded seat, I have an extra pad that I sit on, in addition to all the the plush, you know, cushioning I already have. So yeah, I mean, sitting on this for two hours for or or the Coke Six Hundred the other night, you know, four hours. Forget it. So it's uh, $1,131. I found it for sale. Um, you can do black or carbon for the finish. Um, I want to see it in action. Like, does it have flex? Like, if is there any flex to it like we've seen in some other seats? Because this is a really thin seat, but that kind of gives it that look, too. But I, I'm kind of curious about flex. You would think because it's a real racing seat, it doesn't have any and well, that, for that cost. That's a carbon fiber shell. Right. So it's it's probably stiff, you'd think, huh? What about the flex on this advanced sim racing rig that we're looking at, Tony? Yeah, this this is kind of kind of neat and, and definitely like uh, right up our alley. We've talked about some similar, but this is a uh you know like an 8020 aluminum profile rig uh geared towards um kids and for uh well they say for karting but it'd be good enough for for anything but it is it's it's geared for kids aged four to twelve um but other than that uh it does not look anything you know real different than what we run just kind of pint size Pretty cool. 
And they call it the K, the ASRK for kids. And uh, it's like a mini 80-20 rig. I mean, basically, um, you can yeah. get it with or without the seat. Yeah, and the seat that they have is like a typical carding seat that only goes maybe halfway up your back. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't cradle you all the way up to your shoulders like a typical seat would. So um, it's it's very very cart uh, style as far as the seat that that you can get with it. Looks like it's uh, made out of uh, plastic or fiber fiberglass or something like that. It's hard to tell. It doesn't really describe the seat that well. All right, Mike, every time I'm on TeamSpeak, all I hear is you griping about your uh, wind machines. How's that going? Well, I got some mounts finally printed, 3D printed from my friend Kyle Bindigraf, um, teammate, and uh, he designed up some mounts. Now, we want one of them kind of came apart. They're a little small. And so he's actually going to redo them and make them a little bit bigger, but I do have it installed and they do work. And I basically have put the fans above the left and right monitor pointing down at my face. Now the, the bad news is I tried to wire it after I, I'm like, wow, I finally got these mounted where I want them. I've tried to wire everything up to the Arduino, nothing worked. The Arduino turns on, but no, the fans don't move. Um, the software looks like it's, uh, you know, communicating with the Arduino, and but I don't know what's wrong. And so, Kyle, God bless him. He's going to help me. Uh, we, I've replaced the wiring. I've replaced the fans. I haven't replaced the circuit board uh, Arduino thing. And so I ordered a new one. I had it shipped to Kyle's house. He's going to solder it and test it and make sure it works. And then he's going to ship it to me. And I'm going to hopefully plug and play and be done, done, done with the uh, fans finally. Um, so I'm getting close. I can see the, the end is near. Uh, I, you know, we're just waiting on the parts to get to Kyle and let him do his thing. And, and he's going to save the day. And it's hot racing in this room. And so I can't wait to get those going. All right. What's this um, Moza versus uh, Fanatec thing, Brian? This looks interesting. We've got, I recognize Boosted Media, but I don't know the other guy very well. That's um, actually Will Ford's brother. So uh, they're, they're two brothers. And uh, he's, on his, he's on Boosted Media every once in a while. But he does some reviews of products as well as, as, um, as Will does. And, uh, this was a, a three-part series of a basically a head-to-head -head comparison between the Fanatec CSLDD and the Moza R9, and um, their in their their final conclusion was that these things were so close in performance and feel and uh, strength that they really couldn't pick one over the other as far as performance goes, but there were some other factors that you might want to uh, want to consider. Um, the Moza R9, you can get right now within a matter of a week or two, and the Fanatec CSL DD is taking months to get at this point. So um, 
there is definitely a big advantage to the Moza R9 as far as how soon you will get the product, which is one thing to consider. And one thing to consider with the Fanatec is that, uh, you know, the whole universe of, of, uh, of products that work with it, you know, you have the pedals that can attach directly to the base, uh, the shifters that attached directly to the base and the and you, of course you get the full variety of fanatech uh wheels that are available so um really really it didn't come down to whether they they thought one was better than the other it was just uh they they just decided that you know either you'd be you'd be just as well with one or the other um there's just a few arbitrary uh issues that you might want to consider uh being the shipping and the uh and the compatibility with uh, other products yeah, availability was the big one for them. And, and like you said, the wheel selection. I mean, if you go with the Moza, there's two. You got a road wheel or an oval wheel. That's it. And so um, the other thing was the the quick release. Um, the quick release for the Moza is, has no play in it. Obviously, the Fanatec quick release is crap and has a lot of play in it. Um, and so that was the difference, too. But... I mean, if if you're wanting to get into racing and and you're looking at one of these budget wheels and you know direct drives, you know which one's the best. You know they're basically saying Moza, just due to availability. Yeah, that was one of the things that initially ended up causing me to buy the the Sim Coach pedal was that it was available, and everybody else was like uh, six to six weeks to six months. Yeah, some so sometimes the best ability is availability, you know, and that that comes into play with with uh, some of these products. And um, Will Ford, I'll, I'll mention he kind of taken a different approach on this video than he normally does, and and he he split it into three different parts, um, so it's not a marathon video. I think that is a, a new uh, strategy for him. So these three videos were, have been released over the last two weeks. Um, he also does an article on his website about it in written form, which I find uh, very useful as well. But uh, I think this will be the way he does it going forward when he reviews stuff. He's going to break it into uh, unboxing and initial impressions will be the first video. The second video will be like teardown and testing. And then the third, you know, kind of, you know, re review and conclusions. All right, I'll take the next one as the sim coach spokesman of such, right? We've got a release. They've got their handbrake, which is also a hydraulic handbrake. And you can look at it and recognize some of the uh, the same hardware. I would buy this one if I did rally racing, all right? I don't, so I can't really justify buying it just to have it sit there and look pretty. Um, but once they have a shifter ready, even though since I never used the... the, the uh, H pattern anymore on that Fanatec shifter. I will probably buy their shifter just just because uh, brand loyalty at this point, right? But well, it'd be cool. It'd match your your pedals yeah, and everything. It would. Um, and um, it's billet aluminum, and every, everything they make is high quality, and you know lifetime warranty. Don't forget that part either. It just and it just you look at it and it looks it just looks pretty, just like the pedals do. 
Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. When I first saw the picture, I was like, "Oh, they, they're making a sequential shifter," because the the photo that we have on the on our script doesn't say that it's an actual, uh, uh, it's actual handbrake. But uh, yeah, it was a handbrake. I was a little disappointed because, like you, like you, David, I, I don't really ever use a handbrake because I don't do the rally racing or anything that really requires a a, a, a piece like that. But yeah, if they get a sequential shifter, uh, I'm in. Yeah, that's the thing. It, like, if they had a matching sequential shifter to go with a handbrake, and then you get them both as a package, man, I'd be down for that. You know, just you know, you have them next to each other, and like you said, it's kind of for look. You know, at that point, but but why not? You know, uh, high quality stuff. Look, sequential shifters. You know, when I bought mine not long ago. I did my research for guys. I went through all of them and I figured out, you know, which ones are the best or whatever. I, you know, for the value, I ended up picking that Russian one, you know, for from the guy from Russia called a log. Well, I presume he's out of business. Um, yeah, at this point, uh, because of what's going on with the Ukrainian war. And so I think there's a hole there. I mean, there's a hole in the market, uh, in the SIM hardware market for sequential shifters of high caliber at a decent price so anyway just throwing that out there lawrence <laughs> so yeah so it's really cool they they use those leak proof hydraulic systems that they use on their brakes right david and you know we know we know that they that they are the as good as cylinders for hydraulics as there are out there so just incorporating it to a handbrake makes a lot of sense for them to do. And, uh, yeah, they, they look like they knocked out of the park on this one. Is that an adjustment dial that's, you know, down there at the, you know, the bottom left-hand side? Sort of, but what you actually adjust, if you want to change how stiff it is and how it responds to compression, there on the, on the inside of that, di that dial, which I think is really just a screw cap are a bunch of little different shaped washers. And you can either put a spring there. Like I have a, my clutch and my brake are the exact same hardware, except the clutch has a spring there and the brake has those really thick, almost like super, super, super hard rubber washers that give, make the brake respond with so much more stiffness than the clutch does just by changing what's in there. So that's how you adjust it is you actually change what hardware is, is connected to this, to the slave cylinder there or whichever cylinder that is, if that's considered the master or the slave. Hmm. Yeah. You could see the black washers all lined up basically or rubber, rubber washers. They're either rubber or metal. I'd, I'd, I'd have to double check. And, and, oh, and that that's what, when you push the handbrake or the brake, the hydraulics actually makes that cylinder suck in. And then those washers determine how much pressure is resisting back. Okay. So this was, I hadn't actually like uh, clicked onto the Instagram, so I didn't have the high definition picture. So it just, it kind of looked like a, like a screw from our, from our script. But once you click on it, you can kind of tell exactly what you guys are talking about. All right. I see it. All right, Mike, why don't you take the uh, All-in-One Pro Series? Yeah, All-in-One Pro. I mean, All-in-One, we've talked about them in the past, and they've been around. Uh, it, you know, I want to bring them back up so people remember all these different companies. And 
And so uh, all in one, they they provide uh, you know these cockpits, eighty twenty style. Uh, they have the Pro Series. Um, it's among the strongest frames on the market. They say constructed from uh, Beachley forty five series commercial grade uh, profile. This cockpit has no flex with even the mightiest of wheelbases. Yeah, um, one of the th things I remembered, actually two of the things I really remembered about these rigs when we first talked about them was the color. You know, it's that uh, blue iodized looking, um, you know, almost cobalt blue color to them. It's really nice looking. I like um, that. And the other, yeah, and the other thing that I remember about these uh, from the last time was their pedal adjustments. They have on the Pro Edition, they have those uh, round um, dials basically that just let you turn that pedal platform almost any angle incrementally to get just the right perfect angle for for how you want your pedals set up yeah that is a neat design that they got for that pedal tray um the way like you said you can just notch it up one notch or down a notch and, and there's a lot of different uh configurations yeah that's the only only pedal uh mounting system i've seen like that uh, from one of these eighty twenty type of uh, rigs, and I think it's really looks looks really good. I really think it looks um, like it would really be easy to dial it in just how you want it. So easy to move and adjust. Something I do like on here, but I, on the site though, I don't know the specifics. This is something where Bobby could definitely pitch in because he's kind of our eighty twenty expert. Um, it actually indicates on each of the alternatives what kind of profile you're getting uh you can get a part number and everything so you know that you know literally the weight of the aluminum that you're paying for there uh i don't know if you get that on every website and the thickness the number of grooves like how wide it is whether it's a 20 40 or 80 or or you know or 60 can can affect how sturdy it is but also just the 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 weight of each aluminum piece the density is also a factor on how well it's going to hold yeah, you're right. That was a factor when I was deciding on cockpits. Um, why I went with SimLab. They have a a real thick in inner walls, I guess you would call it, uh, in in these forty five by forty fives, compared to some of the other companies where they use a little bit thinner uh, material. Uh, that thinner gauge, I think, it, you know, saves them money. Um, but yeah, I mean. Obviously, this company, allinonegaming.com, you know, they're pointing out, you know, hey, we, we have some really nice stuff here. Yeah, I'd like to know which of the stats is the most important. I, I, I'm going to guess weight per meter, or, or and it says in parentheses, kilogram. So that, I guess that's what it is. Like like the, the Ventian brand, it's 2.06 uh, kilograms per meter. So it's going to tell you how much metal is actually in each meter. If you go down farther, there's an animation of that brake uh, or the pedal tray moving and being adjusted. Man, I, I, it reminds me of how many times I had to take apart my pedal tray and put it back together as I was trying to adjust it and get it to the right place. I mean, I probably did that 20, 30 times, uh, you know, undoing bolts and and it, it's quite a chore to move it around. Uh, it this would have made it real easy. I don't know if it actually would, because if you look at it, you have to unscrew it each time to move it. It's just got a whole lot of places you can screw it in. So you're still going to have to 
kind of just guess and sit down and see if you like how it feels. But, but more options are better than, than too few. Right. So pricing 700 up to 1050, depending on which model you pick. That's reasonable. I'm a little concerned when I don't see the, uh, you see the uprights go up, but there's no crossbar or like on, on my SIM lab, you know, there's a crossbar that comes across for the shifter and the mouse and stuff like that. Oh, that's completely missing, isn't it? It is. So you wonder how those uprights, just how stable those are. Well, that crossbar is just for the shifter. It doesn't really add to the stability of the uprights. Especially, I think it does, well, actually. Try wiggling your left one and try wiggling your right one because only one of them has a well, shifter attached. Good point. It's, um, and it's attached at a square. It's not attached at a triangle. So it's, it's, it's going to be a negligible difference. It's not, it's not going to be the difference maker. If it was a short triangle, that would make it a lot more stable, but not, not the big box. That's, that big box is just there to hold your shifter and your mouse pad. And, uh, and that really cool cobalt blue, while it looks really great, if you want to expand to it, you I don't think you're going to be able to find that color too easily if you want to expand uh, onto that system with more 80-20 stuff. It looks like you can order directly from them, though. If you look at the uh, look on the page. Um, and is this 80? Is this... 45 millimeter, the standard. I thought it was 40 millimeter. That is what most of the A20s came, came in. 40 millimeter boxes. Well, the other thing that's not standard are the little corner brackets, I guess I would call them. They have a different design than your normal, you know, corner bracket that we you would get with SimLab or some other company. They actually have four screws instead of the normal two. Yeah. And I don't I don't think my memory is betraying me because I ordered some custom pro profile to build my little my shelf that my amplifier sits on. I was thinking about putting my computer, but it the amplifier takes up plenty of space. So this is not a standard profile sized either, at least not not the most common. Yeah, this is forty five by forty five. Interesting. Let's roll on, though. Uh, this next one's kind of interesting, though. I don't know if it's as needed by a uh, sim race team as it is for, for a real race team. It'd be, it, it's too bad we didn't have Adam on tonight, but he's not here because he's doing stuff with his real race team. Um, it's a it's pit logic, and it has everything you need to be a real-life crew chief, basically, right? Yeah, it is for real racers. Um, this was advertised to me, like, on Facebook or something, and so... I looked at it and I was like, wow, you know, this might apply to somebody in sim racing, um, especially if you're working on setups and, and it's, it's a place where you can, you know, store your setups, you know, you can document them, your shocks, your gears, you know, checklist, your tires, your temp, you know, so as you're testing in sim racing and you're working on a set, you know, what is your workflow and, and where do you document stuff? I mean, if you don't have a workflow and you don't document, maybe this is a, maybe this will help, help you. Maybe, but most people that are working on sets and racing are sitting at a desktop. So I don't know if this 
app also ports over to desktop or not. If, if I'm yes. sitting in iRacing doing a bunch of stuff, do I need it when I have to grab my phone every time I want to make setup notes? Or do I just take screenshots of the setup or use Stin Analyzer to save each setup each time? Right? So yeah, that's a good point. Specifically for setups, this is not the answer, I don't think. This is really – this is more for somebody who's really running a, a whole race team. It has stuff for hardware, tires. It, it has stuff for inventory and, and everything along those lines. So overkill, but almost out of our wheelhouse, I think. You're probably right. Um, it says it's ten dollars a month. Wow. Yeah, you get a two when you when you uh, download the app, you get it free for two weeks. It's like a trial period, and after that, you have to get a subscription. So it's nine ninety nine a month, or you can buy a year for ninety nine ninety nine. So a hundred dollars for a year's worth if you want to do it. So now, now we probably do have a lot of listeners that are uh, also running a real race team. You know, something out of a garage, perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've, and we also know some of the, some of the pros are also getting shots in real cars. Yeah. And one thing that's nice about having a monthly subscription, if that's something you really, really can use, you know, you don't have to buy it for the whole year. If your race season's only three or four months, you know, you only have to have a three, four month subscription and then, uh, you can just let it be dormant while the off season. It'd be a good question for Adam. I mean, with his team, he's trying to run with his carts. Um, you know, if this might be something he could use. All right. The next one is right up your wheelhouse, Tony. Yeah, we got ourselves a DIY rig. And this one comes from Mario Bohm and posted on the Sim Racing's builds. And he's got one. Uh, well, it's a wooden rig. And he's got some uh, fancy engravings put on it. Now, this is also interesting that it, it looks like he kind of designed it to fit in that specific room because that room has a platform that his recliner sitting on, right? It, it has a level uh, up there on the floor. Yeah, it's got a weird, uh, yeah, lean to it, I guess is what I'm looking, we call it. But you're right, the, the way the the seat is sitting on a, a stair i guess it is or a, a raised platform that's in the room you know the cockpit is kind of leaning on that or sitting on it actually what is the what is that little piece attached to the top of the CS, csl base is that some that it's got displays on it or something right and maybe some dials yeah if you look at the first pick uh the head-on pick you can see the it's got you know lap times or something on it some kind of oh, display yeah and it's it's got uh led uh rpm leds as well right across the top that's a nice little feature if, if you don't have vr i don't know where that comes from we need to try to find out somebody will probably tell us yeah, so it took me a minute to um to get in so i could get in a like a, a zoomed in view of this rig and it's <laughs> it's quite simple but yet kind of ingenious how he's got things set up so he's um giving himself some adjustability um with like uh with some grooves uh carved in uh where the pedals and the wheel deck go so he can adjust it up and down and adjust the angle a little bit um 
of, of both of those. And it looks like he's got a couple of tracks kind of engraved on the side. Um, just actually- for a, Go ahead. Go ahead. Or maybe those are three D right. prints that are stuck to it, or something. No, it looks like it's cut. It's either cut in, or it's a, or it's a sticker. One of the two. Sticker, maybe. Yeah. So he's also got himself the the Fanatec uh, handbrake, and he's mounted that directly to the rig, um, kind of right beside. But it's a uh, the seat's built right in. Looks like it's a custom padding job, and. How about that headrest? Like, comfy. He's really laying back. I mean, the way that he's got this thing angled, uh, he's kind of laying. It's not a formula style, but he's laying it, laying down in luxury, so to speak. Yeah, see, this would be like that GP-type setup that uh, we had talked about earlier, only you know with some fancy padding for some long sim time. So what do you think, Tony, is going on with the, the back of the seat, the bottom of the seat? You know, it, 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 does he have that cut? He's got it cut out there. Like he purposely wanted to put it up on that raised platform. Well, I think, uh, you know, for this room, obviously that is just something that's a part of this room and that can't be changed. And if you look from the distance to the from the front of his rig, um, you know, to the shelving that he has to have, you know, he's, he's got a, um, a PlayStation and, you know, other things set up there. There just simply wouldn't be enough room. So this is what he had to do to make it work in this space. Right. It wouldn't work in another room, probably. <laughs> no, no, he'd, ha- he'd have to, uh, fashion himself some legs or something to go on the back of that. But, um, I, you know what? I, I like it. It's, it's neat. Um, a very very purpose-built rig it's kind of cool that wood almost looks kind of secondhand in nature too doesn't it well if you go back now you know most of us i think like in our in our childhoods or our younger teenage years would have seen you know that wooden the wooden couch and stuff with the flowery um cushions do you remember what i'm talking about it's like oh yeah my grandma had those exactly yes we've we all experienced this we had to have because everybody had them and maybe that's what he did he he ripped apart one of those and uh made it work for for a sim rig mike were you blinded by the lights yeah so i have a secondary project and it's complete um so i ordered some 3d printed arms from another guy named dak jones d-a-k you can find him on facebook he has an etsy store where you can get these uh, mounts they were affordable Uh, it was under 35 dollars, i think uh kyle was stacked up so he said go ahead and get them from this other guy and i did and he, he had a good design to him uh i got him in the mail uh after he printed them and Mounted them up. I bought the uh, Philips used lights to go with them. And uh, overall, about $200 for the whole po- package. Now, this is in addition to my current Philips Hue setup, which consists of the outdoor light strip that goes around the back of the triple, as well as the three bulbs and the ceiling fan above. I always felt like it was nice, but it wasn't enough. It, it didn't. 
I, the lights weren't close enough to me. And so Dak Jones came up with this design to put these two lights above your head. And they basically mount to the top of the fourth monitor. Um, so there's 80-20 that uh, goes up uh, on each side of the fourth monitor where it mounts to. And so the arms mount to that. And you just plug them into power, and then I already have the everything else, so um, it works great. Now the big question is, you know, do they wash out the screen? You know, do they make it hard to see the screen? And the answer is no. Um, they're far enough away. It's a soft light. It's not like a, a harsh light. And I've had zero trouble with any kind of reflection or anything like that. Uh, the positioning of these arms, the height and everything is really good. So the the hard part for me was programming the Philips Hue app and software that you have on the computer to get this shadowing to look right. So you would get into a, a Ferrari at Monza at noon. There'd be a lot of shadows from the trees and the the uh, the overpasses and the tunnels and different things. So it's a good track to test it at. And so you drive, uh, you know, under the shadows and the lights dim and you come out of the shadows and they come back up and you have to position the lights in the app and the software where you think they should be at the bottom, the middle, the up high. And it, it basically picks up colors off the screen. Um, so when the screen dims, it kind of dims, but you have to like, position it so the people that have been successful with this they say you almost have to position it for a particular car and track and time uh you have to kind of dial it in it's not like something you can sit you know set and forget but that's what i've done i got it dialed in as, as well as i could and i'm gonna set it and forget it but uh, when i'm driving it you know today at gateway on an oval it doesn't really do much. I mean, it's really uh, the the night races, the road courses with that have varying lighting conditions. Um, but it does provide a neat effect, and and I'm very happy with the outcome. And I think it makes the whole rig just look even better. I mean, it's got you know because when I have my wallpapers up and they're a certain color, the lights match the wallpaper, and it gives it a neat look. Okay, with that, we're going to results, the NASCAR iRacing Series. Charlotte, let's finish it up. Uh, I got wrecked out on Friday Open. I was uncomfortable loose, it was, and I was slow out there for sure. And I actually made it to lap 83 before I killed it by putting it in the wall hard. I just had a horrible, horrible week. David, P9. Yeah, it was a pretty frustrating race, but I stuck it out and got an acceptable finish. Um, I was trapped a lap down early because we had a car that wouldn't catch up to the pack and we couldn't get the wave around after a caution that happened in the middle of green flag stops. So trapped a lap down with quite a few other guys because somebody just wouldn't catch up. The leader beat us 
he was out of the pits before we caught up to the pace car. It was pretty dumb. I got damaged from a lead lap car that decided to go Ryan Newman style um, on the cars that were racing for the lucky dog. He just would keep holding us up and keep holding us up. And I got irritated and ran into the rear of him purely on accident. Um, I did forget to change my wheel setting. And so I ended up running the whole race with too high of a steering ratio as well. But I did finally get back on the lead back lead lap later in the race and survived for a ninth. All right. Decent run. Uh, Tony Rochette, P wrecked. Tried to stay away from the crap, but it hit the fan. First had a spinner come back up on the track from just losing it on the back and knocked some revs out of me. Then just before halfway, a car went into the infield on the front stretch and the dumbass lapper in front of me slams on his brakes and I knock the heck out of him. I'm done. Tony wrecked out. Yep. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was the first one to call it quits Friday night. Um, the first pit stops that I decided to come in, um, I ended up getting black flag because I thought I'd waited long enough, but apparently I hadn't. Um, and then followed that up with two speeding penalties back to back because I'm, <laughs> what the heck I was thinking. I obviously wasn't paying attention, but I got a lot of that back. And then I, I tell you, I think I was like lap 60 or something like that when I finally. I don't even honestly I don't even remember I know I was fired right up because I had um, got through a bunch of crap and got knocked around a couple times and it, it was just a bad terrible experience yeah your penalties were all like cue the circus music I mean because they just kept coming one one after the other yes uh, circus music for sure um, I uh, the, the the first penalty I'm going to say it's on me. I don't really... I thought I'd... Like I said, I thought I'd waited long enough. But the two... Um, the two speeding penalties, I just simply quit paying attention um, to what I had to do. Like, just like it was my first day. Rookie move. Right. Let's talk about uh, Gateway, a new well, track. You're going to not let me talk about getting wrecked out Sunday? Oh, I forgot Sunday. How about Sunday <laughs> open? I think I was the only one who decided to get up and run it, I think. And I know Tom was up, I believe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, an unavoidable situation with a, with a guy pitting, even though I knew he was. It caused some of the things to nest not up in the place, and I got in the wall, and the car just never drove right after that. So, wrecked out. It's a tough week for our team. Yeah, an eight in, in high split. Went terrible tough, but yeah. I mean, I ran all four of them. Now we went right, to Gateway, and I call Gateway. this one. I do call this one my home track. I'm going up there Sunday, in fact, and uh, to catch the NASCAR race. P19, and this was a P19 I can't feel too terrible about. Uh, one, it was a top split. I was car 37. The strength of field was 4,700, and you know. Garrett Mains was in there, which means, of course, Garrett won. Um, though he had some competition on this one. But I got the P19 purely through survival. Um, this was top split, but they didn't drive with top split quality. There was wrecks all over the place. I got damage on the second lap, but this was because a, a, a driver didn't know his force feedback was gone until we went green. And um, he just 
it's caught him by surprise and he lost control. He apologized. And then you know, that happens. That's one of those freak accidents. Then I got caught in a second lap and I just, but I was able to always stay on the lead lap on, and just would kind of hang, hang out in the back. And there was always enough wrecks to keep me from getting lapped. Um, and a whole lot of other cars got taken out. So I, I brought it in a 19th. Okay. Uh, my first race at the track ever, um, I wrecked out. Had a good race going. I was running around 10th to 12th. Uh, around halfway, all of a sudden, within 20 laps, I got 12x from people running me over from behind. I wasn't slower or faster than the rest of the race. I was running just like I always was. But, boom, I mean, just coming right up my butt, you know, just run right over you getting into the corner or in the middle of the corner. Um, slam into you and whatever so after that I was frustrated I ended up spinning off on my own on the late exit and it went down to the inner wall killed the car it was like four and a half minutes optional I did stay on the lead lap though um, couldn't really get repairs done because people cannot pace you know I've, I've gone on rants about this in the past and but this track really showcases it i don't know why people think when the yellow comes out we should roll around at 70 mile an hour and, and never catch up to the field and that's exactly what people are doing and it's stupid and and, and the people that needed repairs i mean just forget about it it's not going to happen i d i think that's only half the problem um the other thing that needs to be done is the pace car needs to wait on the leader because sometimes you, sometimes it'll come out right in front of the leader, and everybody actually has to check up, you know, and let it go by. But there will be sometimes that the leader is in turn one or two. If the leader's he's doing a lap one, and a half before yeah. he catches it. Yeah, and he's and it's like it's just making everybody have to haul. If you got spun and you ha you have to catch up. If you got spun just barely, and five cars go by you and and never slow down. And you're, you have to go drop it all the way down in the first, but you get your position back because you didn't come to a complete stop. They all have to wait on you to get by, and the pace car is already in the pit. They, that's a little nuisance feature that they really need to fix. It's just make the pace car wait until the leader is in turn four right or wherever he needs to be to would help the, the leader picks it up and that will allow everybody to get caught up based on where where the leader was when the caution came out instead of everybody that basically everybody needs to catch up to the leader not the pace car irrelevant of where the leader was um but yeah there are some cases where people it, when that will happen will still putter around instead of hurrying up to catch up because in this case you almost have to stay in green flag condition until you get closer to the pack to to get caught up in time and that's the thing people this, the yellow comes out their brain turns off they just go into autopilot and they don't go at green conditions until they catch the pace car and that was really frustrating for me I couldn't get it fixed and I ended up blowing the engine, you know, some 20 laps later. So, you know, I'd like to see iRacing have more spotter messages about this stuff to have the spotter be more aggressive about getting the drivers to catch up to the field about as you're coming to the green on the one to go, you know, one, one to go to green 
that you're not laying back like you know there was a guy every on every restart he was laying back three car lengths no matter what and it drive me crazy because we're giving up track position i mean i'd like the spotter to be yelling at that guy you know we're about the green's about to go the spotter should be screaming at that driver pull up pull up pull up you know close the gap yeah it's definitely one of the weaknesses is how well it manages cautions right now there's a lot of a lot of holes in the code and on managing cautions so hopefully they they can work on that with all the new money they got coming in all right that was last night let's go to today i ran by myself nobody else was there on our team thursday open p11 finally i get a finish this is my first finish in like two and a half weeks guys not kidding i mean it's been really bad i've lost a ton of i rating i'm embarrassed about it almost so it was good to get a finish now it wasn't pretty i was actually running good top 10 uh as high as second place top five that kind of thing um up up to maybe about halfway or something and then it, someone had spun up front and i couldn't miss it i t-boned him and it was five and a half minutes damage so i just soldiered on with the damage i was down some 300 rpm luckily the the engine didn't blow and i was able to finish and i was basically the last car in the lead lap p11 so i'll take it we had a little All bit right. of official series fun uh it looks like you played at the uh, skip barger at barber in the ring again yeah so i did some more racing at the skip barber um started p17 finished p7 i actually missed a big wreck on that one i put that one in the chat it was crazy that i was able to weave through that but this track it when it blocks up it blocks up quick it's not very it's pretty narrow in a lot of places well it's up in the mountains right so you got the wall on one side and the mountain on the other yeah basically so then after that good run I went on to run four other times and wrecked out four races in a row. Ouch. Um, and then the fifth time I tried it, I started 14th and finished sixth and had a good run there. I uh, enjoyed my off week playing at Daytona in the uh, Euro Sprint Series uh, with three wins at Daytona. And one of them, I was oh. uh, one of them was an 18 second comeback after a cell spin on lap one where I locked the brakes up in uh, turn six um but uh the the one real fast guy got knocked out and i ran the guy down that that had a had a head start on me and another one i actually had 50 seconds of damage the whole race because of a turn one hero um but still managed to outrun everybody so daytona in that 919 they get along with me pretty well stack them up when you can Let's go to League, Fast Track Racing League, uh, David, P7. Yeah, I had good long run speed, but suffered a little too much on the short run. I did go back and check stand analyzer after uh, after we ran, and I had the best 30 lap, 40 lap, and 50 lap average of anybody. But they'd pull, pull so far away in those first 10, 20 laps that I would never get completely back to all of them. All right, and then Greg, P disappointed in the setup and tried to get and tired of getting run over in this league by a-holes <laughs> adam was also wrecked out 
I think he sells money. That's a theme sure, in this league for him. Well, at this time uh, of the year, I- he's not he's not spending as much time on iRacing. Yeah, he's yeah he is busy. Uh, and then I ran and got P twenty one. Was pretty uncomfortable around the top. I was letting everybody go. I wasn't racing anyone. Um, kept the car clean till roughly halfway. Now I was like one of the cl- only ones on the team at that point that had a clean car. I think everyone else had some kind of problems, but um, and then I started hitting the wall. And, and I was just barely hanging on to that car by the end of the race. But after the horrible week at uh, Charlotte, you know, it was an accomplishment just to get a checkered flag. And so I'll take it no matter what the finish was. Okay. And we got the OBRL Aftermath Podcast Truck Series from Gateway. It was Josh Robinson with the win. Steve Thompson second. Chris Bates is third. And last was the Gitter Done GT3 Series, Greg P2. He said in Heat 1, field inverted for Heat 2, and he made it back up to second. Didn't have anything for the leader, though. Okay, with that, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, So um, I got to spend today with uh, my good friend and our, our, our teammate, Tyler Williamson. I haven't seen him in, in uh, quite a bit since I started my new position at work, but it was really good to, to catch up with Tyler. Um, you know, whenever we get together, we always talk by racing and uh, today was no exception. So uh, it's always fun to uh, get together with him. It always gets the juices flowing to, to, to get on the sim and, and race together again. Um, he's been gone. He, he just got, had a vacation and he came back and he had a little medical uh, issues where he, he's uh, been out for about a week uh, with that. But um, he's chomping on the bit to get back on the races with, with you guys. And, and so am I. So uh, look forward to that coming up shortly. Yeah. And I, I have plans for Tyler to, to kind of run some social media for us um, for the podcast. He's going to, step up and post a little bit more than we normally post guys. So look forward to, uh, to Tyler helping out with that. David Hall, final thoughts. I'm looking forward to running the majors 24 this weekend and I'm having to put my stance in pretty early so that I can go ahead and head to St. Louis Saturday night as well to get to the cup race, uh, fairly early and and enjoy some of the scenery, maybe catch a few races at the, uh, the indoor go-kart track that they have there if they still have it i haven't you know been back in four years or so because of covid i think i think it was 19 was the last time i was there um but look looking forward to getting both those things out of the way hopefully we'll have a good run we, we got a couple of really fast road guys on our team like up in the 3k road rating that that can haul that 919 even faster than me so uh, looking forward to it okay very good tony Groves, final thoughts well, it looks like uh, the podcast is about the only uh, iRacing-related thing I'm going to be able to get to this week, uh, mainly because I don't have Gateway. And, well, my week is pretty busy, so I didn't have any time to uh, to really do any racing anyways. So I guess we'll uh, wait till next week. And when I come back, um, looks like I'll be racing with a new damage model, so that'll be fun. Yeah, looking forward to week 13. New damage model, but the big question is, do we get Indy? Do we get Atlanta? You know, um, 
what other surprises are we going to get next week? I, I I don't want Atlanta to change. I want Atlanta to stay the same. I won there <laughs> earlier this year, so it's good. Atlanta's great. <laughs> All right, very good. My final thoughts. Uh, yeah, loving the new lighting, Phillips Hue, but boy, it's expensive. I mean, I, I'm afraid to add up how much I've spent on Phillips Hue stuff in this room. Uh, it's several hundred dollars, and so it's expensive, but it's a neat effect. But it's subtle. I mean. And, and I, I don't want to get people excited about it and, oh, I'm going to go buy this and then real and not be happy with the effect. It is subtle. It is a subtle effect. I posted a video in our uh, team chat of the effect uh, the other day to give those guys a flavor of it, but it's subtle. Um, you know, as you're driving, you can see the shadows on your arm. You know, you look at your arm, your hand that's where you see it you know the steering wheel in front of you um but it's very subtle when you see it in addition to what you see on the monitors uh it, it's a pretty neat effect in your mind uh it just adds to the immersion and so um i like it and um excited that i did it and glad that it's done finally so looking forward to getting the fans done I'm headed to Denver. Uh, grand, my grandson, my second grandson, will be born Monday. They're going to take the baby out of her Monday, no matter what. So I'm driving on Sunday to go up there and uh, partake in the festivities. So I'll be mobile. I might or might not make the show next week, uh, depending on the babies and all that. But uh, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.